Hello everyone, it's January 21st, 2019 here in Akron, Ohio. This is your host Chanel Patrice Hancock of Chanel's Language Learning Journey Podcast on Anchor.fm. I hope everyone's having a great day today. I know I am. I want to start off by thanking the sponsors of the podcast, Flipboard.com, your stop shop place to go to get the latest magazine articles, sports articles, news articles from around the world. So if you want to go check out Flipboard.com, and download their app on the Google Play Store or iTunes Store for Android or iOS devices. You can do so. It's completely 100% free. And remember, it's Flipboard.com where you can go and read papers from The Guardian to RT to People, Washington Post, New York Times, Vogue, Sports Illustrated people, you name it, you can read it, you can put it in different categories once you download the app for free, and you can even have notifications sent to your phone or your device to notify you when, you know, a new publication's coming out for that particular magazine or newspaper. So, please go to Flipboard.com and check them out. Thank you to Flipboard for sponsoring today's podcast, which is episode 56. This episode is going to be about Braille and how it's used as a reading and writing tool, not only to learn languages, writing systems, but other subject matter as well. Around the polyglot community, a lot of people have put up Braille text on their pages and said that Braille was a language. Well, given the fact that I've been visually impaired all my life and I didn't start learning Braille until I was eight years old, I was a large print user, which means I read large print and I wrote longhand with a pen or pencil and a piece of paper. Now, while using a handheld magnifier at the time, and this is in the 80s and 90s, and I have to say that Braille is a tactile system that was invented by the founder, Louis Braille, in France. And I'm going to be honest, it's not a language. It never was a language. It was a system for blind people that was made by someone who had become blind um, in order to be able to read and write because at the time people were using sight reading tactics where they had to read with their eyes pressed up against the book letter by letter and this was not something that was helpful to people who were experiencing sight loss and at the time technology wasn't as advanced as it is today so if you for instance had injured your eye 
in any way, um, you know, it had to be removed or they had an infection of some kind and it spread to the other eye and you became blind and there was no way to save your sight at the time because it was very primitive um, methods back then (laughs) for medicine. And so, you know, a lot of people that were blind, well, number one, they didn't have the same resources as we do today. Um, You know, back then, people didn't know what Braille was. And it took Louis Braille a while to be able to get people in France to take him seriously about this code. But he eventually was able to convince them otherwise that this was a, a great method to use for people that were blind. And it benefited so many people like Laura Brinchman. Um, it benefited people around the world. And it became a way for people to be able to read with their fingers. And then it evolved from being able to read books to being able to read mathematics, science. People are able to label things with uh, what's called a a Dymo labeler. Um, It's a device that has Dymo labeling tape in it and you turn this wheel and you're able to squeeze the handle and it's something that you can write out uh, in braille a particular word or you can abbreviate a word to help you label food cans and bags and you know anything where you need to have a tactile reference as to what this particular item is because you cannot read the print Um, and people that are low vision use this if they know braille but I'm going to be honest um, a lot of sighted people get confused that braille is not a language it's just a way that you're able to be able to read and write because you can't read and write with print if you're completely blind you might have light perception you might have Um, the ability to see colors light and dark but you cannot physically see what someone looks like so you're total and if you are low vision like me where half of your body you can see um, you know people and things clearly but you can't read print anymore Um, you know and you can't see things far away Um, you know it's it's That's one thing. Um, Everyone's visual impairment is different. I mean, if you see 20, um, 200, all the way to three feet in front of you counting fingers, you know, um, everyone's visual acuity is totally different. Um, Not everybody is the same. And so not everyone learns Braille either because it's a very expensive... um, to use 
um, on a daily basis if you don't have a braille writer, which could cost anywhere between $700 to $1,000. Um, you know, if you don't have um, a braille display, which can cost anywhere between $600 to $10,000, depending on the display, depending on the manufacturer who made it, um, you know, you have to get people like Voc Rehabilitation Services Commission for the Visually Impaired and Blind here in the U.S. to be able to buy it. And it has to be for either work or school purposes. You know, you can't just go out and just buy a Braille display that you want for $3,000 unless you have the money up front. Um, and a lot of people don't have that. Um, you know, people... Um, it's just very hard to come by um, for a lot of people and a lot of education systems um, here in the states they don't provide braille as a permanent accommodation for people who are losing their vision who are visually impaired um, we're told we have to use what vision we have and so therefore if you do know braille you are pretty much responsible to teach yourself or what you need to know with Braille because the school system isn't going to pay the money to have someone come in, a teacher of the visually impaired, come in and help you like five days a week. You might be lucky to get it once every three weeks or once every two weeks, a lesson. And that's not enough because there is... Um, 90% of the Braille um, uh, popula- the blind population does not know Braille they cannot read and write Braille um, because of this reason and the ones that do use Braille in their daily life and work life have a higher chance of keeping a job than someone that only knows audio um, techniques such as using voiceover for the Mac or Linux, NVDA, System Access, and JAWS for Windows for the PC, which are all screen readers that you can use with keyboards and keyboard strokes in order to be able to operate a computer or have the text read to you in an audio format. Now this helps your listening comprehension, but it doesn't help your spelling. And with Braille, and you have a display hooked up, you can physically read on the display the words in Braille and it helps with your punctuation, your writing, it helps with your spelling, your grammar. And this is in, any language around the world and some places blind people get these services and some places they don't get these services and there were years when braille was not a part of the society um, where it wasn't in federal buildings or hospitals where there were signs tactile you know where the person can can read the, what number this room was or you know what what number was on the buttons in the 
elevator as an example and I mean it took years in order for these types of laws to be implemented here in the United States and elsewhere um, you know I mean you can use it to transcribe materials into different languages there are certification programs through the National Federation of the Blind here in the States where you can do that um, and that is a good thing because it gives employment to blind people. You can also transcribe music. They have that certification as well. And a lot of people need stuff put into Braille in order to be able to go to school, in order to be able to, to participate in their classes. You know, audio isn't just going to cut it uh, with some people. And I know for me, I went through my entire education experience only using audio, no Braille. It wasn't until I graduated college and film school that I actually started using Braille in my late 30s um, again. And I never forgot it. Um, I even got uh, certified um, for UEB Unified English Braille, which is the now standard um, across the world in the English-speaking countries of the United States, the UK, South Africa, Nigeria, Canada, New Zealand, and Australia. And we used to have our own individual Braille codes um, in order to be able to read and write and they decided well instead of of having South African way of reading and writing or Australian or New Zealand or US why don't we just have one unified code so they took a couple of a couple of contractions out which are short form words that represent one word um and add some more punctuation and if someone sends me a book from South Africa in a rich text format HTML or TXT format or word file I can um, read it with my display using UEB and there won't be any back um, tracking and, and, and having to decipher what punctuation this means and what because everybody's reading on the same uh, in the same way and Braille usually takes about a year to learn um, if you're going into teaching for the visually impaired you have to know Braille um, that is important um, I wish that it was implemented as, you know, a component of the education system overall. Um, it's on a case-by-case -case basis, which means, you know, depending on the student and the severity of the situation, they'll either get the teaching of Braille to them or they will not. Um, and it's, it's, when it comes down to language, um, you know, it was developed in France. So, you know, you have 
aside from Unified English Braille, you have Braille codes from all over the world. Chinese Braille, Korean Braille, Japanese Braille, Cantonese Braille, Arabic, Russian. There's over 199 different Braille codes from around the world and they either are alphabet based where it's just the alphabet and you spell everything out with punctuations or you have a combination of of Latin Romanization um, in numbers as well depending on what the language is or you have contracted which means that you know if you're talking about the word afternoon it's AFN or afterwards AFW so I mean there there is um, short form abbreviations to represent a whole word word and with Braille, if you have a 8 by 11 size sheet of paper, you're going to cut that in half. And that's two Braille pages. So for every print page, it's two Braille pages. So if you have a 270 page, 72 page print book, it's going to be 459 pages in Braille. And it's going to be three volumes. So it's going to be three books that you would read for one book. And the cool thing about Braille is, let's say the power goes out, the electricity goes out. If you have a hard copy book, you can keep reading. You don't need sight in order to read Braille. You can read it with your fingers. Now, there are people that are kind of excluded from that because they have um, tactile sensitivity issues due to the fact they might have diabetes, as an example, or they just don't have sensitivity in their fingers because of some neurological um, disorder taking place, you know, where they, they, they can't feel at all. And so they don't have any tactile sensory abilities at all. So they have to do audio and that's fine, um, you know. So, but I do read Braille in French, Italian, Dutch, Russian, um, Unified English Braille, and Spanish. And I'm going to be learning it for Cantonese as well, and Turkish at some point. So, but it's because I need to be able to read the text that's on the screen with my display, and that's very important to me. Um, it is a costly thing. Um, because it takes time to produce stuff, so a lot of people get ebooks, and if they have a display, they're going to read the um, book from their display via Bluetooth, and this way they're able to know how to spell and write and read in this language, and they become literate this way. So for sighted people out there, yes, people that are visually impaired and people that are blind are literate. Um, you know, I mean, people that are visually impaired do have some vision to still read, depending on the person. My situation's a lot different. I cannot read print anymore, so I do audio. I might be able to read the cover of what a magazine says, but that doesn't mean when I flip the magazine open, I can read that. I cannot. That, that's not my fault. It's just my condition that I have visually 
that's prevented me from being able to read the fine print and no surgery is going to be able to repair this I'm sorry um they I have the site that I have um you know I see the bigger picture not the smaller picture and because I can't see distance wise um uh, you know further than three feet in front of me you know it's you know I know what a bus looks like and a bus stop and, and a bus sign and all that I can read that because you know, I'm not looking at it from 30 feet. I'm standing right next to it. So I'm looking up and I can read it clearly, you know, but hey, I'm not really worried about that so much. You know, that's not something that's important to me. What's important is that I'm literate and, um, you know, I read print and, and reading and writing is a tool. It's a means to an end, you know, and I had to use this all my life, you know, large print up until I was about 29 and then a magnifier up until I was 36. And then after I lost a lot more of my vision in a small amount of time, less than a year, because I had to read stuff that I could no longer read in order to hold a job, it didn't, you know, the reality was screw reading physically I'll just have to brush up on my braille and I did my braille reading speed I did that by taking books out one volume at a time and reading them and then sending them back through the library for the blind and you know that's a service that blind people can use around the world in order to be able to read books from Dickens to Chekhov to Hugo to Bronte to Shakespeare so and and a lot of technology now has um, text-to-speech and so they're able to be um, to access information but it's going to take some time in order for it to be um, okay to have Braille as just a part of the community overall um, because of the cost. It does cost to produce it and it does cost to get a braille display and I'm lucky to have a braille display because of me teaching English as a foreign language independently and you know um, learning my languages. So you know I took the steps this year to say I'm going to learn how to read and write in Turkish and in Cantonese because these are the two languages that I'm learning. And I mean, yes, it is a struggle because I have to go online. I have to find the Braille codes from Wikipedia in order to be able to read them with my display or I have to call different places to see if there is a way I can get a hard copy um, form of what the braille alphabet looks like um, in each language sent to my house I mean I did that for Russian and some it took me a while to find someone that could do it for me for free because uh, you know if it's not Spanish or German or French um, you know it's very hard to get materials in other languages other than Spanish and English here in the US you know because if it's not a dominant language 
it's not going to be supported. They're not going to really find that to be of importance. And I, I think all languages are important, not just one or two or three, but every language is important. And there are blind people around the world that write in their own language and use Braille in their own language, you know, um, as much as they can, you know. But there are people that are not literate um, with Braille at all because of the financial cost that it ensues for someone to learn it. And it's sad because I think that should be something that should be free, Um, you know. There is nothing wrong with learning how to write Braille and Dutch. You know, you can write somebody, um, you know, on a computer and learn the alphabet and type it on the keyboard and be able to write them. And a lot of blind people learn through doing that process auditorily. And then if you have a display, they're able to, you know, but not everyone has a display. Not everyone can afford it. Not everybody... Um, you know, has that luxury at all. And some people don't even have a slate and stylus. Um, and a slate and stylus is a little rectangular um, device that you can buy for like little or nothing. Um, and it has like a little ballpoint um, stylus and it's like a round ball with a metal tip at the end of it. And you put the braille paper inside of the of the slate and it locks down straight. And then you can use it to write with, but you do it from right to left. Um, and it you can take notes with it. I know people that have written papers because that's how they had to do it back in the day before they had a braille writer. You know, there are people in other countries where they can't afford a braille writer, but they have a slate and stylus, and they do everything with that slate and stylus. Um, you know, so, I mean, technology has come a very long way in regards to um, braille. You know, I mean, they're coming out with braille technology every single day. Um, and the problem is, is because since blind people are the minority not the majority, um, and it costs so much for these devices to be created. No one has the kind of money to buy them, um, you know, in normal societies. So you kind of are kind of stuck in a lot of ways. Um, You know, I was lucky because I actually had to have medical documentation that I gave to my counselor in order for him to buy me a display. Um, you know, but I think he could tell because of my vision and everything, I really did need it. And if you are visually impaired, as an example, and you have some residual vision, they want you to use it until it's gone. And that's not, I can't do that medically because of eye strain issues. Like I spent the whole weekend having irritation issues and my entire apartment blacked out because of the amount of light due to the snowfall. And my eyes were just running water constantly. And so now I have to go to the eye doctor. I have to get eye drops put in my eyes. You know, and it's 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 hell in that regard. Um, thank God it doesn't happen all the time. But when it does, it's very, very uh, uncomfortable. 
And so, you know, I just do a lot of listening all the time, um, you know, and I'm doing research right now to try to get Cantonese Braille, um, you know, sent to, sent to me in Turkish Braille as well, um, just so I can have something to, to refer to on, in a hard copy. Um, so, yeah, I mean, Braille is very important. Um, you know, there were blind people that, you know, they, they didn't have a math system. So Abraham Nimeth in the 1940s created the Nimeth Code, which is the standard code around the world to learn mathematics and science. And then they have 8.Braille, which is computer Braille. And, um, you know, it's, it's an amazing, um system to read and write from around the world. I mean, the more languages you know, I mean, and, and people have to realize, you just don't learn this stuff overnight. I'm going to have to really teach myself, you know, these codes because I need to be literate. And, you know, I want to be at a B2 level within a year and a half in Cantonese. And I want to be able to read and write in Cantonese newspapers and magazines and books. And and if, if that's how I have to do it, I'm not going to have a choice in the matter. Thank God they do have the Braille codes for you to be able to learn the um, different tones within the language. And once I get to Japanese, you know, I can do the same thing. Arabic, I can do the same thing. You know, and because there's blind people all over the world, they have to read and write. And some people don't even have the opportunity to have an education or to be able to educate themselves on whatever subject they want um, because they are shunned by society, um, you know, and because of religious reasons or whatever the case may be. And, and that's unfortunate because I feel that everybody, regardless if you have, you know, you're visually impaired and you can read large print or you can't read print anymore, or you can't read at all due to the fact that you, you can't see at all, total darkness. You can still read. You can still be literate by using Braille, and that is what I want to get across to people. Braille is a tool for reading and writing. It is not a language. It's not something that you can speak. So I, I um, kind of want to advise all the polyglots out there to stop using um, Braille as this, <laughs> you, you use the term incorrectly. Um, it's a form of reading and writing and literacy. You read it with your fingers, not your eyes. I mean, people can sight read Braille, yes, but that's defeating the purpose. Because at the end of the day, we're all going to lose some of our vision as we get older. And there are people that are losing their vision every day to glaucoma, retinitis pigmentosa, Leber's, retinopathy prematurity, which is what I have, macular degeneration, diabetes. And diabetes is one of the big ones that people are losing their vision to. And, and they're losing it in their 40s, 50s, 60s, 70s. And it's, it's staggering the rate that this is taking place. And so as a result, 
you know, they're they're trying to get themselves adapted to not being able to use their vision. And they think that life is over because of that, and it really isn't over. You just have to learn a different way of doing things, more on a kinesthetic level, a tactile level, and an auditory level. And, you know, it is a frightening thing when you're used to driving and you're used to um, reading a newspaper. Well, I mean, newspapers are becoming digital now as opposed to printing out a, ma- uh, a magazine or a newspaper and, and, and selling it at a newsstand. I mean, they're becoming obsolete as as technology advances here on out. And you can you can have it read to you. You know, you can have free newspaper services called Newsline, NFB Newsline, where there's over 300 different titles and magazines from all over the world that you can get if you, you know, are visually impaired and blind. Um, you know, you can download the app. There is Bard from the library for the blind that you can get if you have a membership to it, which is free. You just have to give your um, disability documentation, fill out an application, you can do it online. Um, And, you know, there are um, books that you can get audit, you know, audio and you can get braille books sent to your house for free you can get magazines like rolling stone 17 martha stewart sent to your house in braille for free and it's all free and you can read them in braille and you don't have to give those well i mean the rolling stone stuff you don't have to give it back but you have to send the library books back which is easy to do and you know, because it goes through your regular mail um, system. And people do this all the time in order to be able to read every day. Or they might download the book and they might listen to it in audio if they don't have a display where they can have a BRL file, which is a, it's a, a Braille file. And then you have your display and you're able to read it and read the entire book from your display. And it's amazing. You just have it right at your fingertips. And it's like going through a whole world of the unknown when you're reading. And, you know, yeah, at first you're going to be slow. But the more you read, the faster you get. I know people that can do a thousand words a minute. You know, and and that, that says something about the power of Braille. You know, I'm able to increase my vocabulary my writing abilities, my spelling, because audio doesn't, it will increase your vocabulary, but it won't help you with your punctuation. It won't help you with sentence structure in regards to writing it out correctly, but Braille will. And, you know, if you can do Braille and audio, it's so much better. Um, and, you know, I hope that you guys got something out of this. Because it doesn't matter if you're from France or Germany or Holland or Sweden or Norway or Denmark or China or Korea or the Middle East or Russia or Poland. They have Braille. And it's an amazing, amazing 
um, invention that I thank Louis Braille for every day. I wouldn't have been able to read War and Peace. I wouldn't have been able to read Withering Heights or Les Miserables. And I can actually read Les Miserables with my Braille display in French because I have the ebook on my phone. And I'm able to read it in French Braille. And instead of having voiceover read it to me in French. You know, and it's amazing. I, I would highly recommend that you Google Braille in different languages. You'll be surprised what you find. And if anybody has any more questions about this, you can um, contact me on Instant Messenger, Facebook, Chanel Patrice Hancock, C-H-E-N-E-L-L-E-P-A-T-R-I-C-E-H-A-N-C-O-C-K. You can contact me um, anchor.fm slash Chanel Patrice Hancock. You can download the podcast on Google Play Store, iTunes, Spotify, AudioCast, RadioCast, Radio Public, Breaker, um, any of the podcast feeds where Chanel's Language Learning Journey podcast is. This is episode 56 of the podcast. Thank you to our sponsor, Flipboard.com, for sponsoring episode 56 about Braille and how important it is for language learning. Um, Remember, language learning is a journey, not a race. Enjoy the process. And I hope you enjoyed this podcast today. See you in the next episode of Chanel's Language Learning Journey podcast on anchor.fm. Bye-bye.